0: Well, tonight I wanted to talk to you about. We're we're continuing on. We I think maybe just one more after tonight in the book of James, and uh, tonight we're we're starting off with sticks and stones. How many remember that as a kid? My parents, my mom or dad, I don't remember which, told me that. you remember how it goes? Sticks and stones, but words will never hurt you. Is that true? You're you're sure it's not true because, I mean, it worked for for some people. I feel like you can sometimes blow that off but words can hurt right and i remember distinctly i i don't remember the situation at all all i remember is being told and i don't remember again if it was my mom or dad that you need to develop a thick skin right you knew what i was going to say didn't you because we've all heard that right and that is true to some degree you can't walk around with your feelings on your sleeve can you i mean that's not that's no way to live right and everybody's got to be walking on eggshells and worried about every little thing Right? Have any of you have you any of you innocently offended somebody and then thought, "Oh my goodness, that was they're so sensitive." I'm not sure that's just tough. That can be hard, can't it? Okay. I mean, there's got to be some kind of balance there. And I've I've heard people say this: it should just you just let it go in one ear and out the other. See, you know these things, right? We tell ourselves these things and we tell our kids these things because these are good things to learn. They're tough to learn though, right? And what's the one if you never want to let them see you cry, right? No matter how bad it bothers you, don't let it show. Because if you give them that satisfaction that they got your goat, then, then that'll make it worse, right? You don't want to give that bully the satisfaction so you act like it didn't bother you and nothing happened. And, and we teach kids that, and it's not a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. On the other hand, words can hurt and hurt for a long time even as i'm telling you these things i do remember i can remember things said to me over the years i mean we we probably all had things said to us that stick with us for years and years and it's it's just the way it is and and maybe you've heard this kind of thing i was i thought i'm going to look into this and see have you ever heard how many compliments it takes to outweigh negative things criticisms 10 10 to 1 I've heard a lot of things, and I didn't find anything that was really conclusive or I couldn't find anything that agreed, but I did find this interesting study, and it was businesses that are successful. What their managers try to do is they, they give over five, so the 5.6, um, 5.6 positive comments for every criticism, because you realize in business or any life situation, cri- some criticism's healthy, right? Now, we live in a culture today, it's almost as if you can't criticize anything and people just do whatever they want, but that's not really healthy either. There are things that need to change and you need to, you know, some of us need to have some corners rounded off, right? And there are some things we do that we should maybe control. It's not as if you just walk around and you're free to do whatever and nobody can be offended. The fact is there are some things, but what they're saying is criticism's healthy. It's just you need to have positive things as well and at least over five, successful companies will have at least over five. So... 10. I like 10 better. So Tamara, 10 is good. You you should enjoy being around Tamara then because she'll she'll criticize you, but then at least compliment you 10 times, which is good to know. Good to know. So in the book of James, we're going to look at two little verses. They're short. They're short, but they say a lot. It says, and this is the New Living Translation, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. Now, as we've been reading the book of James, I don't know if you've done this th- through this series. I've just read through James over and over and over and over. And one of the things that has struck me is how direct he is with us. It's almost like, it's almost like he's taking you to the woodshed every couple pages, right? Because every once in a while he will say, how could you do this? I can't believe you're doing this. And then here he tells us, don't speak evil to each other, dear brothers and sisters. Dear brother, he's saying dear That makes it nicer, right, and easier to take. When you know the person cares about you and they want you the best, he's saying, dear brothers and sisters, do not do this. Do not speak evil against each other. And of course, I had to go into the detail and just figure out, what does that word mean, speak evil against? It's actually, in Greek, it's a compound word too. And it means to speak against. It literally means that, to speak against. It would be similar to a put down. You know what a put down is? You know, growing up, we had all these different terms for put-downs, slams, right, or burns. What What are some others you guys had grown up? What did you call it when you put someone down? Cut-down? Yeah, you got cut-down. Okay. Any others? Oh, you never did it, right? It was just, okay. Uh, slander, criticize, vilify, gossip, belittle, bad-mouth. Those are all the same word, actually, translated the same way. In, uh, from Greek, this word right here that's translated here, speak evil against each other. Another word that's interesting is the each other. Uh, in Greek, it's one another. And then then it goes on to say brother there. And the brother is an interesting word for brother because it literally means from the same womb, brother. Because they had other words for brother, just like we do. You know, you call someone a friend, brother, they had that. But, they, but this word meant from the same womb. But he didn't intend to say that all the people he was writing to were brothers, literally. What he's talking about is people of faith. You realize that? Now, that doesn't mean you can talk bad about people who aren't Christians. What he's trying to say, though, is really important. That as Christians, we should have a special debt of love to one another as Christians. It ought to be different in the church, right? We know that, right? Intrinsically. We know that as Christians, we should treat each other better than anybody else. I mean, you're supposed to treat everybody good, but Christians, you're supposed to treat Christians better, right? There should be some kind of sense of camaraderie and some sense of shared uh, mission and shared sacrifice and shared Lord that that means that you have a special love for each other in the church. (laughs) So what does it not look like? I think we all know this, it's so obvious, but not spreading rumors, not assuming the worst, instead you assume the best, not, not, actually, let's let's say it this way, you could be be silent if you cannot be kind. What did your mom used to say? If, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Do you tell your kids that, Tamara? Even at their age, at that young little age, tender, sweet, perfect, innocent child age, we don't want to rejoice when other people fail. Rejoice when exposing other people's weaknesses. <laughs> you know how many things we say that could just be left unsaid? They just didn't need to be said, right? You say it, but they didn't need to be said. Don't exaggerate others' faults. Um, how many people are aware, or have seen it where some people just, they tell the truth, but they do it to injure? Now, I know none, I don't think any of you do this. I don't. But I think we all do it to some degree. Have you noticed how much we do like to talk about people, though? I mean, really? It's hard not to do it, isn't it? I mean, we're people. We're human beings. We evaluate them. We discuss what they said and what they wore and and didn't wear and how they wore it and who they hung out with and how he treated her and how she treats him and how they raise their kids and how much money they have or don't have or if they got a divorce or can't hold a job or how she got fired. And it goes on and on and on, and we just do it. And social media, I think, makes it worse to some degree because the studies have been done that shows that social media lowers our inhibitions. Because in person, there's that Im- immediate feedback, I- if not a word or, or action, just a facial expression. But on social media, it's so impersonal. You can say things there you would never, ever say in public or in person. You just, It's just that way. And it's sad because I think it's damaged our society to some degree. But we all like a good put-down, don't we? Don't we? Yeah, yeah, I know you're in church, and you're like, am I supposed to say yes or no? Is he going to trap me and say something? But let me just share some famous ones with you that are kind of funny. You know Winston Churchill, right? You know he's absolutely brilliant. Also had a drinking problem. You knew that, right? Did anybody watch that movie that just came out on him? I heard it was pretty good, actually, but I I didn't see it. But um, he had a famous feud going for years with uh, Lady Astor. She was the first female prime... A member of Parliament, and um, I guess evidently one day she said to him, "She called him disgustingly drunk," and he said, "My dear, you are ugly, but tomorrow I shall be sober, and you will still be ugly." (laughs) (laughs) Brutal. Uh, Another, (laughs) another time, she said, (laughs) "If you were my husband, I would drink poison," and uh, um, he said. um, oh oh, oh, no let me oh wait I messed it all up I messed the whole thing up on it um oh oh! oh. she said if if I was your wife I would give you poison and she and he said if I was your husband I would drink it that's what that's how it went (laughs) I messed it all up it's all wrong on here too oh my gosh well anyway George Orwell a famous radio guy and writer and all that um he criticized he was criticizing somebody and he said he's simply a hole in the air that's what he wrote about somebody. That's brutal, isn't it? I like those because those are brilliant brutal. You know, it's different. Um, Lincoln had a lot of, lot of zingers. And you may not be aware of this, but there was a feud with Stephen Douglas that went on. I mean, they, they were debating. And obviously, I don't know if you remember the history of that. You know, he was the, the pro-slavery. And then, you know, Lincoln was debating him against. And um, anyway, he wasn't talking about him at this point. He was talking about a different political opponent. But he said, <clears throat> I'm going to read this correctly. He can compress the most words into the smallest idea of any man I ever met. Did you catch that? He compressed the the most words into the smallest idea. This one cracked me up too, and I've never heard of this guy, but his name is, he's a boxer, Willie Pep, and he was greeting a former opponent, and he said, why don't you lie down on the ground so I can recognize you? (laughs) Oh, and probably my favorite of all is uh, our very own Missouri native here, Mark Twain. He had a lot of them, but one that's just so poignant even today. Suppose you're an idiot and suppose you're a member of Congress, but I repeat myself. (laughs) 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 The sad thing about this is people are people, right? And people get under your skin or people bother you. And uh, in the church where we would hope that where, where James says brothers and sisters don't treat each other this way, we can get irritated with one another and we can have problems and issues. And rather than being graceful and acting as Christ would act, we, we let it bother us and we say things that are dangerous. And as we go through this, maybe you've had this encounter with somebody. I hate to share this, but. Then they whisper something to you that you know that you didn't need to know or but it's so good to hear it. And They act like they're sorry, sorry bearer of bad news, but in truth, you know, they're just destroying people. Have you noticed that bad news outsells good news? Has anybody ever pulled you into the room and said, hey, let me tell you something great that's happening? They just don't do it that way. In a sense, you become a verbal assassin and destroy character. And it's sad to think it would happen even among Christians, but you know what? That's one thing that the Bible, there's certain things that the Bible condemns very harshly, and and you... A lot of those things you would think are obvious, of course. There's obvious sins, things that we put in category of sin all the time. And you would think, you know, greed and envy and murder and those kind of things. Of course, those are sinful, right? Look at—look with me at this list. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. I love that word, wickedness. That's just so much worse than other things. Wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, they are backstabbers. Oh, I skipped the gossip. Who would think gossip would be right in there? Does it seem that bad, really? I mean, if you just just talking about people a little bit. I mean, how bad could it be? They're backstabbers, haters of God. Would you ever think of a gossip as a hater of God? I mean, I would think of a gossip as bad, but not a hater of God. I really offended one of my volunteers, and I I feel bad now looking back, but I'm, just, I'm gonna be honest, I'll tell you the truth. Um, She was an adult at the time, but her mother and her mother's two friends were really, really bad gossipers. And I referred to them one time as the unholy trinity and realized I fell into the same sin, didn't I? Because they were bad. I felt justified in being bad. And I remember the look on her face when I said that. I was talking about her mom. and She knew her mom was a gossip. She knew that. She'd just been talking about her mom, but she could talk about her mom. I couldn't talk about her mom, right? I was wrong, and I knew it. I knew it, and I just, I apologize. I don't know if she ever really ever forgave me. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents too. Wow, wow, that's brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Well, here's the thing about that, is (laughs) as much as we realize that God hates gossip, we still do it, don't we? To one degree or another. I know, I know most of you are not like this, but um, the thing is, it's juicy, isn't it? Sometimes you just want it. I was laughing. This this is years ago. I was. Uh, I one summer I was a handyman in a in an apartment complex. anybody, you, anybody lived in an apartment complex? It's, it's like its own little world, right? You have your little microcosm of people, and they have their little lives. They live together. I don't mean little like I don't mean that diminutively. I'm just saying. They have that life they live there, and then there's a greater life they have in families or whatever, but there's a culture in the apartment complex, and I, I wouldn't have known that had I not lit, spent every day there eight hours a day for all summer, and I'm fixing people's, you know, faucets, and I'm fixing toilets and replacing stoves and doing whatever, so one day I was in this, uh, in this lady's apartment, and I, was, I had the linoleum in the kitchen was bad, and so we tore, I tore out the linoleum and put it all out, and so I, I'm in there working, and I'm working on the edge, and I, I, she forgot I was in there. Because I'm down there behind the, the counter and she couldn't see me. And and uh so she's on the phone talking to somebody. And uh it went something like this. <clears throat> um, yeah, you wouldn't believe it. Eve let Julia know that she was there to get Victor back. And she was feeling vulnerable and she was confused, and so then Julia slept with Michael, and Julia was immediately overwhelmed with shame. And then her friend Brock, and she's going on and on, and she goes, She slept with Michael, and then Julia, and I'm just sitting there like, oh my gosh. What is going on in this place? I can't believe this is all happening all around me. You know, and I'm just a kid. You know, Julie had actually cheated on Victor. For, it was just the first time. And then she found out she was pregnant. And then I intentionally made a noise because I just, I was getting uncomfortable. You know how that is, you know? And she's like, Oh, I didn't know you were in here. And then she goes, Hey, after, after, uh, after she goes, I, I can't remember now the name of the show. Oh, she goes, After Young and Restless comes on, let's, let's talk and I'll, I'll catch you up on the rest of it. She was talking about a a daytime soap opera. I had no idea. The whole time she was talking, I thought she was talking about actual people because a couple of those names were people in the apartment complex, but just they weren't those people. But she was talking about them like she knew them. She was calling, everything she said was on a first name basis. And I thought, (laughs) I just sit there like, oh my gosh. She's living through all of this gossip. I mean, basically the whole thing she was doing was gossip. The whole show was gossip. And it was so fascinating. I almost wanted to hear what ended up happening to the next person. Is it, it's still same, same show, just different, whatever. Why do we love it so much? Well, James talks about this, and he goes into detail about why it's wrong, why it's so wrong. And I think a lot of times I've, I've kind of noticed a pattern with James. He tells you why it's wrong, and then he, he tells you it's wrong, then he tells you why it's wrong. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but there are people in life who are really sensitive to things that are wrong. Maybe you've had kids like that. So I tell you about my own children like this? Our first child, bless her heart, she was determined to do what she wanted regardless if it was wrong. She didn't care. She's going to do it. And we had to punish her. Our son, Theo, if, he, if you raised your voice at him in any way or started to correct him, he would break. He's tender to what's wrong. It, when it's wrong, he feels bad that it's wrong. Do, do you know the, Do you know the difference? And for us as Christians, I I pray that our hearts are tender toward God because I I don't think that what James is saying is going to land on on fertile ears if you are already determined to do what you want whenever you want. Unless your heart is tender, even what James says here, I don't know if it's going to be so convincing. Because he's talking to you as if your heart is going to be tender and willing to receive what he's saying. So he says here, If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, he's talking about criticizing, judging people. How can that be God's law? And he goes on to say, but your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. And that may sound confusing at first, but here's how his argument goes. If you slander people and God said to love your brother, then you become a judge over what God said. You're basically saying, I know God said it, but I don't agree with that law. I'm going to do it anyway. It's kind of like, I know none of you have ever done this, but you driving on a certain street, Duncan Road, for instance, where it says it's 35. Why? Why is it 35? Anybody ever f- wondered that? It's hard to drive 35 on that road. I can be driving 35, I mean, intentionally, even with my cruise control, and then I'll look down and all of a sudden I'm going 40 because you just go over one of those little dips in the hills and you're going 40. I don't know about you, but there's times where I thought, this is, this is a stupid speed limit here. Then do you, what do you do? Do you drive over it? Do you look at it and say, well, this road, I, come on, this is dumb. What are you doing? You're putting yourself as a judge over that law, right? And we do the same thing. What James is saying here is we do the same thing. If you then criticize your brother who God said not to criticize, you put yourself over what God has said to do. You become the judge, and God is no longer the judge. You've made yourself the judge over his law. So every time you've done something like that, and we've all done it, I'm sure, right? Or there's a work zone, and it's a Saturday, and they're not even out there. Come on, guys. Why are we driving 55? There's nobody here. And you look around, and you think, I'm I'm sure I'm fine to drive faster than that, right? Everybody else is, right? Isn't that how we justify? Everybody else says the road's fine. (laughs) Or I'm late, or I'm in a hurry, or I was tired. I, I, I know I'm not supposed to say those things, but I didn't feel good. They should know. I didn't feel good. They shouldn't talk to me in the morning, right? I'm a really good person. It's a dumb law anyway. Or maybe you get frustrated because the law is not equally applied. And it doesn't. you don't have to look very far in our country, sadly. If somebody's wealthy or they're politically connected or famous, seems as if they get away with things that you and I, the normal person, wouldn't. And so you feel somewhat justified in putting yourself over that law. You guys ever heard of Soren Kierkegaard? He was a theologian, German theologian years ago. Actually, might have been Dutch, but regardless, he, he has this thing he calls a categorical imperative. It's a way to judge whether or not what you're doing is right. It's kind of like the golden rule, but in it's a little bit like the golden rule. But basically, he said it like this. If you were to take your action, and then everybody in the world would do what you're doing, would the world be better or worse? So if everybody drove 55 in a 25, would the world be better? If everybody did it? Because what it happens is usually we give ourselves that permission to be the one that violates the law. We put ourselves in as the judge above the law. Or we're the one that can get away with it. Everybody else has to follow it, but we cannot, or we don't have to. God's law doesn't ap- or apply to me. Every foolish remark or every critical comment, everything you say, we could do it like that. And we could say, well, I can do that because I'm most of the time I'm nice or God's law doesn't apply to me here's here's he goes on to explain it more he says god alone who gave the law is the judge he alone has the power to save or to destroy so what right do you have to judge your neighbor now you may be sitting here and thinking well wait a minute i've heard you say pastor dennis from the pulpit that the bible doesn't say we can't ever judge it's true there's that whole passage in in the sermon on the mount where jesus talks about judging And in that passage, he very clearly is saying, don't be a hypocritical judge. So are you wondering maybe, is James contradicting Jesus here? I don't think he is at all. Because what he's saying is, when you're being critical, are you judging fairly? What do we usually judge other people about? I mean, we judge their behavior, true. And, and judging beha- behavior is usually fair if you know what behavior is expected and people clearly aren't doing it. That's, that's fair. But most of the time, we're judging their intentions, aren't we? Aren't we usually judging their motives? And what James is saying here is you can't judge that. Further, you can't judge their eternal soul. And a lot of times, we do that too. In our judgment, in our criticism of people, we're making a judgment, a lot of times, of their whole eternal destiny, Based on what we see. And we put ourselves up as the judge. And James is saying, you are not the judge. God is the judge. He made the rules. His sovereignty is unrivaled. His authority is unquestioned. His his will is his will. His record unblemished. His steps are his steps. His wisdom unparalleled. His power is unparalleled. (laughs) We rightly think of God as love. That's true. That's his character. That's who he is. And he's grace. He's those things. But he's also all-knowing and all-powerful and all-good. And he's the judge of righteousness, not us. I think what, what James is trying to say here is God alone gives life. God alone has the power to take life. He's the only one who can save. He's the only one who can destroy. And when you criticize people, most of the time you're putting yourself up over God. We can wor- we can judge words, that's true. We can judge words and deeds, but you can't judge the heart. You can't judge the heart. And I think that's one of the problems with social media is you may write something and not mean it a certain way, but it's taken out of context or taken wrong, or the words sound harsh. I don't know, have anybody done this before where you start to write something and read it a few times first and think, I'm not sure that sounds like I meant it to sound. And maybe it'd be wise to send that to somebody. Maybe maybe your wife or some friend of yours who could read it and say, how does this sound to you? Because I'm not sure. I'm not trying to communicate anger here, but it sounds angry. <laughs> Only God can really peer into the person's heart and know what is there. I hear Christians, especially lately, criticizing politicians and judging whether or not they're Christians or going to heaven or not. And I don't know that we can do that. We don't know. I hear them doing the same thing with actors and and um, even musicians. And I've I've been one to do that. I. I don't have a lot of patience for, for actors and famous people. I just don't never been. I've never had a poster on my wall or I've just never been that way. And I think living in an LA all those years, it just, I'm just not impressed. Right. But I've, I've had to be, I've had to have my heart changed a lot of times where I remember I was talking with somebody and they say, well, do you pray for them? And I wasn't really criticizing anybody. It was just, it, it had come up and, and maybe it was when Roseanne lost her show the first time. I don't know, but, Oh, you know what it was? We'd gone to see a Roseanne show and she stormed off the set and it took an hour for them to talk her to get back on the set. And I had a bunch of, stu- I had like uh, 80 students there and it was going to be super late. It was a school night and I was frustrated and uh, saying something about, ah, I can't believe we came and saw her anyway. We should have known better. And, and then uh, somebody says, man, we should pray for her. I <laughs> remember thinking that never crossed my mind one time. It didn't. And I, I feel bad about that. It's interesting, too, because you don't really ever know. You ever, does anybody know who this guy is? Uh, let me just say I'm not a fan. Who, did somebody over here know who it was? There you go, Kanye. All right. Go, girl. Yeah, it's Kanye. Uh, in 2013, he was wearing a WWJD bracelet, and he was on an interview on a TV show, and they asked him about it. This is what he said. It's important to me that I grow, walk, and raise my family with Christian values. Now, I'm not sure that's happening. I have no idea. I don't really know much about him at all, honestly. But I know I can't judge his eternal soul. I can judge some of the things he does and says, but I can't judge that. Anybody know who this is? Who? <laughs> yeah, that's Justin Bieber. Did, I, again, I, I don't know all the story. All I know is that he's been going to uh, Hillsong Church in New York City. Did you guys know that? Yeah, and... um. I guess one day he was just tired of it all, and he called the pastor, and he said, I need to become a Christian. I need to do it now. So he accepted Christ. Then he said, I want to get baptized now. And so they tried to find a place to baptize him. Kind of hard to do, I guess, in New York City. So they ended up, true story, baptized. Does anybody know who uh, Tyson Chandler is? Plays for the Phoenix Suns, basketball player? (laughs) They were going to baptize him. I guess there's a pool they use at a hotel, and they got there, and the word had already gotten out that was going to happen, so it was too crowded. So somehow they got a hold of this guy, and he's 7'1", so they just used his bathtub. <laughs> like, you couldn't really baptize him in my bathtub, but if yeah, you're 7'1", you've got a bat- bathtub that's different. Here, here's what I believe about this. I think a lot of times we we are quick to judge other people when when really we need to be praying for them praying for them. I never thought about praying for him. Not that I disliked him or had even feelings one way or the other, but God knows his soul is just as important to God as mine, and he loves him desperately. And we are so quick to judge, let alone them, but what about everybody in this room? Praying for each other. It's not really my job to determine who goes to heaven. It's God's job. I heard this one preacher say, "I'm actually in sales, not not administration of that." So, um the question comes down to this. Who's going to be God? Who's going to be God? Do you follow his rules or the rules you want to follow? If, if you decide to play God, then you can say whatever you want to whoever you want, whenever you want, for whatever reason you want. But if you're going to have God be God, then that means everything you say needs to be tempered by the fact that when you look at people, you're looking at somebody who is created in the image of God. As C.S. Lewis said, we never encounter an average human being. Every single one has the imprint of God himself. And yes, there are people who are living uh, poorly and they're doing wrong things. And it's not as if you can't say it's wrong. But the fact is we need to be praying for them as well. (sighs) I think about this. There's a lot of excuses we make. I I said a bunch of them a minute ago, but some I didn't say. You know, sometimes you think maybe uh, they had it coming. But let me just ask you, who appointed you as the Lord's avenger? that needed to be said. Have you ever heard that one? Maybe it did, but there's ways to say it that don't hurt, that, don't, that aren't as painful. Um, let's, let's close like this, though. I feel like we, we really have to be careful and cautious. My mom used to say to count to <laughs> 10. Do you guys ever hear that one? Count to 10. How about sleep on it? You ever hear that one? Sleep on that email before you send it. Think before you speak. Pause before you speak. How about I never thought of this one. Pray before you speak. There's one of my favorite verses about this is uh Ephesians 429. I want to show you four different versions of this verse. The first one is the King James, which is the one that always comes to my mind. Let no corrupt communication, corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. The corrupt communication, it just It just sticks in my mind because it's alliterative, I'm sure. But then I like that last line, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Do you ever see yourself as an agent of grace? That the words you use could literally administer grace to the hearers, grace to them. I think of grace as something God gives, not that I give. But we give it. We have a choice. And it's within our power, based on our words, to give grace to people. All the time. This is the NIV. Do not let any unwholesome talk. So we went from corrupt communication to unwholesome talk. Come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. Favorite part of this translation for me is according to their needs. Most of the time when we're talking to people, it's about us, right? About what I need. About what I'm trying to communicate. Not often about what they need. When I talk to Landon, I should be thinking, what does he need? How can I lift him up? How can I benefit him by what I say? The New Living Translation, which is a translation I use the most because it, it just I like the flow of it, and it's, um, it, it's, it's very contemporary English-wise. And it's a direct translation. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. So corrupt communication, foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. But my favorite is not a Bible I use very often. It's the Good News Translation. anybody ever read that one? It's it's quite a bit older. I mean, this came out in the seventies. The only reason I'm familiar with it is because when we lived, when I was in the, my dad was in the navy, we lived in the Philippines. This was the Bible that we used at the church on base. It says, "Do not use harmful words." I like that. That seems like the most clear of that don't use harmful words but only helpful words don't you like that makes it simple right don't use harmful words use helpful words the kind that build up and provide what is needed so that you what you say will do good to those who hear you helpful words that the kind that build up and provide what is needed so what you say will do those, good and i want to end tonight with this verse i want us to just see see this and let it sink in. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That that old um, saying about, you know, what would Jesus do? I don't know if you, any of you have read that book that came out. It was a long time ago, like in the 40s, I think that book came out. And um, it's, it's a heavy thought to think, what would Jesus say and how would he say it? I want the mind of Christ in everything I do, especially the words I use. Would you shut your eyes with me for just a sec? Father, we come before you tonight as people who are just we we are people. We fail, we make mistakes. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to do this, that we would say things that would lift people up, that build people up. That you would you would help us if we are angry or tired or frustrated or whatever condition our heart is in or our mind or whatever is going on in us, Lord God, that would would lead us to say things or to do things that would be hurtful to other people, that instead that you would stop us mid-sentence, mid-thought, and help us then to say the things that need to be said, things that would lift people up, things that would do positive things for them, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. You are always welcome to pray. I'm sure, Dave, we could... Find some music to play if you want to be here and and spend some time in the word. I encourage you to do that. But more importantly, I feel like it's just if you kind of evaluate where you are and what you've said, and I hope that it helps change the words you use. Amen. God bless you tonight.